All right. Well, welcome everyone to uh, Rio and Theo Talk Recovery. Uh, we're glad that you guys are all with us today. I am Theo. This is my friend Rio, and he's going to introduce our topic for this week. Hello, everyone. My name is Rio. The topic I wanted to talk about today was, um, well, it's going to begin with resentment. And to do that, to do that justice, I really want to make one or two things very clear. Um, I've been in recovery in Oklahoma for the last seven years. Um, during that time, I've met thousands of people. I've been to just about every clubhouse in the metro city area. Um, I have listened to and held the worst days, the trauma, the secrets. I have heard so many people talk about the most difficult parts of their life. And I just wanted to make one quick, quick, quick statement saying that none of that will ever be shared here. Anything that was told to me in confidence will forever remain in this strange Italian man's head. Um, and I just wanted to, I uh, just wanted to throw that out there just in case, um, because although I do not necessarily feel that my anonymity um, is important to me right now in that way. I have to respect that many other people feel that way. And instead of talking about, you know, the shenanigans for, you know, for just a second, I wanted to just say the real issue there in my mind is the stigma of addiction and mental health illiteracy. That is the sort of topics that I would want to talk about in place of that. So that's me trying to be an adult for just a little bit of a second. Um, going to take a sip of tea now. I had mentioned last week that I was treated like shit at my place of employment. And that's not the whole story because I too participated in treating people like shit there for a time. There, there is no conflict without both sides experiencing pain or experiencing discomfort. The, the point I was trying to make by, by bringing that up is there's very rarely a winner where those things are concerned. I acted out of fear, confusion, ignorance, and discomfort. And so did they. Their ignorance of my mental and emotional state and what I was going through, and my ignorance of how to communicate that to them. That's gonna be the last time I bring it up. And uh, I just thought, well, I could either edit that out of the episode or I could just talk about it once again for the next one. And uh, depending on how awkward this is or how poor, poorly it's taken, um, I don't plan on doing it again. So this was a bit of a smokescreen because guess what, my friends? We're going to be talking about the first noble truth 
And that is, there is suffering. Every single one of us has suffered. Every single one of us has felt disappointment, sadness, confusion, and anger. These are part of our human experience. And there is a stigma, I believe, socially surrounding. I'm going to put on my on my thing here. I, like I had this whole plan of like throwing this thing on in a very dramatic fashion. But now that I'm looking at myself doing it, I'm realizing it's very awkward and it's kind of goofy. Which is exactly, exactly who I am. Um, so the first noble truth there is suffering. You bought the ticket. You've been born on earth. There are things that are going to happen to you that you don't like. There's experiences you're going to have that are difficult. And there's, there is, um, try to think of a good way to say it without interpretive dance. Um, there, there, there is a natural tendency to think that badness is the same as suffering. There's a tendency to think that because I do not feel good, I am doing something wrong. And I feel that that doesn't always need to be the case. Um, the, like the goal by doing this, um, the goal by meditation, the goal by, you know, you know, realizing that, you know, your life is kind of, uh, you know, like, like a bit of a drag when you're drinking or using and that, you know, you'd like to change it is really suffering. You have hit your misery threshold, that thing that causes you to change. And, um, the difference between you and every other human on the planet is you may have experienced more consequences surrounding that. That's as far as I thought to think. So I'm going to take a sip of tea and Theo's going to say something real fun. <laughs> real fun. Um, I, I feel, feel so awkward about that. I, like, 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 you know how like you wanted to like say something like kind of mature and then it comes out all sideways and you're like, well, I'm certainly not perfect. <laughs> anyway, we're just going to go with it. I think you did great. I also love that um, we also talked last week about there are going to be things that we say that we change our minds about or we change our experience about or our perspectives. And that's already happened. You're like, hey, I said this thing last week and uh, that's not the whole story. And here's some more context for that. And uh, I think that I love I love that. I love that we're doing that immediately. Um, and I, you talked about there being a difference between like feeling bad and suffering, you know, um, that those things are not always mutually exclusive. Um, and I was talking to a friend earlier this week about the difference between um, like being stressed out about having to do something or like having like a bad mood one day or having like an unpleasant experience versus like the reality of that situation and how sometimes the the bad feeling or like the bad mood or whatever it is that we're experiencing from that is just based on an attachment that we've made to it rather than the event itself you know it's like if I stub my toe first thing in the morning and yeah my toe might hurt all day long um, but 
it fucks up my day because I'm thinking all day long about how if I hadn't stubbed my toe this morning, I would have a better day. You know, and the reality is, is there, <laughs> this is a very simplified uh, or like maybe strange analogy to use, but like, yes, there is suffering. I'm going to stub my toe. That's going to happen sometimes, you know, um, I don't have to, and I may still feel the pain of that throughout my day, but I do not have to exacerbate the situation by, you know, getting into that second noble truth of like the craving and like wishing that things were different. And I think for me, so much of like, I think resentment and anger get amalgamated a lot. And I don't think that they're the same thing either. Um, but that resentment, that replaying of things is what really can fuck me up uh, for like lack of a better phrasing. You know, I think about that's why it's specifically difficult for people in recovery is because we can tend to, especially early on before having any kind of like tools to navigate the world, um, we can obsess you know, and that's really for me what resentment is. It's obsessing over something, wishing it was different, wishing I had reacted differently, wishing someone else had reacted differently, uh, wanting the reality of the situation to be different um, versus anger. I think anger is an incredible emotion. That is the beads on my bracelet. This, that mic is insane. Um, but I, I don't know. I, that, that's what it's I thought. so good. Oh my God. Like, I could just listen to you do that for like an hour and a half. Like yeah. if you want to do some ASMR real fast, just shake your bracelet and <laughs> pop, pop your lips. I, uh, so that's true. And it's like, like, again, we were talking about this before. Like there's so many like fundamental things like that sort of like might not make sense, um, but will make sense if you have an addictive personality but they won't make sense if you don't. Um, it's almost like a, you know, this lens that gets put over your reality that um, distorts your perception. And even that is not gonna make sense to some people. So I I really, um, you know, more interested in like how it feels, like the experience of it. And, um, and you're right, there is some of this that is, I am not a Buddhist meditation teacher. Um, I am a boo. I am a. I am a Buddhist enthusiast. I love my 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 um, internal human experience. My consciousness to me is so fucking dope that it like you know wakes me up every day, and that I get to have these sort of experiences, and that none of it has to be the same way forever. Yeah. That I'm this kind of like fluid conglomeration of all these systems that sort of interacts with my environment. So fun, man. I don't know why more people aren't excited about it. At least that's from my perspective, but. Well, and that was a huge turning point in recovery for me was like letting things be fluid rather than this idea, this like idea that I have to, I'm like headed in one direction toward a goal or a set of goals always um and I think that that's what Buddhism has kind of like offered to me and also like I a Buddhist enthusiast like a really bad at being a Buddhist I don't know but like uh 
Well, that's, that's like the thing is like, you know, you don't have to be an expert at something. So, right. so like, like, I guess I'll just say this. I, um, when you look at people like Thich Nhat Hanh, or when you look at people like um, Eckhart Tolle, or even just a, a monk that's taken their vows and spends the remainder of their life, um, you know, living the monastic lifestyle. Those are Olympic level Buddhists. Those are not us. Those are, you know, gold medal, like 10,000 hour having on the, you know, on the cushion, you know, they are having experiences that we are not. Their perspective is not our perspective. The the interesting thing to me is is that there's so many steps in between. There's there's the place where you are like first initially you know brought into the experience of like like I mean what's the first thing that like if you're a beginner what's the first thing that you want to do? Um, um, these are not my words, um, but this is like um, kind kind of what I was taught, and that is generosity. That mm. is the first step is the idea of being generous with your time, with your resources and with your energy. And that is, and that's the first step. And I always thought that was a little nice because, cause, cause, cause uh, I don't, who doesn't like a generous person? Like within that context or like, eh, well, <laughs> I saw your eyebrows go up <laughs> and I was like, I bet she's thinking of someone that hates generosity. No, something uh, came up on the screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always interpret your facial expressions really dramatically. It makes me so happy. Everyone does. The, you know, really the point, you know, from my perspective, I just get so much joy from exploring these things. And I get so much joy from like being able to use these things in my life. And, um, you know, it brings me, it has given me a center that has not abandoned me yet. Mm. And that's real important. It gives me something to rely on, to depend on, and to compass. I don't always have to use it, but it's there. Yeah. Also, you know, from like a slightly like nerdy perspective, um, we can't be Zen Buddhists. We can't be Tibetan Buddhists. We can't be Chinese Buddhists, Mahayana, you know, like, like whatever, because those are largely based on geography. Right. We can we are, be Eastern Buddhists and even that's like going to be a little bit watered down. Right. And uh, I, uh, I like to think of myself as an American Buddhist. <laughs> Some of that, you know, out. How do we, <laughs> America, <laughs> Don't say America, so red, white, and blue, just, just me and baby Buddha sitting under the tree, the Bodhi oh. tree, you know what I mean? Oh my God. I love it. I, I, I dare I say, first, but I love it now. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea, like, like, you know, well, like what I'm trying to communicate is that, um, I don't think not being an expert invalidates me from talking about it. Sure. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, definitely not what I. Something that brings me this much joy, I have to try to do. Right. And, and as I go on, I will improve. Mm -hmm. The like, you know, dealing with people at all different like levels of society, their problems, concerns, and fears are mostly the same. 
They want to be included. They want to be told that whatever they're doing, they're doing a great job. They want to be appreciated for who they are. And they want to be wanted, just like everyone else. And these things, I really think, transcend mental health status, addiction status, and um, social and economic status. And um, for me, that that was one of those those like light bulb goes on experiences where I really felt that I was like I was like, oh, the deep concerns of someone who makes $100,000 a year are very similar to the concerns of someone who makes $25,000 a year. There's some underpinning human experience between those two. And um, that was like when I kind of got this like, oh my God, this is like, like, like this entire game is just about being happy. Like this entire game is really about quality of life. Like this has nothing to do with social economic status like you know all these other indicators that we like sort of hoist up as as you know um measures of success but it's really about being happy content safe um you know the feel-good stuff and how and how we put that into our lives and um man again like like it's really it's really difficult to truly hate someone like, 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 even when I get close, I'm like, man, they just want to hug some days too. Just like me, man, it's cool. <laughs> like, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to kick sand in anyone's face. You don't need to add to the suffering because at the end of the day, we both want similar things. We just have different ideas about how to get them. And um, I, I know that's a weird example. You know, that's kind of a, you know, an antiquated way of looking at it in a sense, but really that is where I got like, I, like, I think that was one of the first times that I saw that like something in the literature I witnessed in real life. Mm. And I was like, oh shit, like 1% of this is right. And then I kept going and I'm like, two, 2% of this is right. And then I kept going. I was like, 3% you like, like, and then now I'm here. And then I'm like, uh, like approximately 17% of this is right. And I'm just gonna, you know, continue ratcheting up that number indefinitely. So yeah, so I I agree and I I disagree. Um I I agree that at a like base human level we have a lot of the same concerns regardless of um like socioeconomic status, uh race and things like that. I think that having the ability to ponder and consider and even pursue uh like so-called solutions to these issues is something that does come from a place of privilege um i you talked about safety um and you talked about like security and i think that even from a like uh like sociological standpoint or a psychological standpoint if people do not have those like base um, safeties and securities, those like basic needs cared for, then it's a lot harder for them to um, really spend time with 
what like things like you and I get to spend time with like oh I I recognize that like my sense of jealousy comes from a place of insecurity and my own identification is not enough you know um whereas someone who you know, you talked about somebody making like $25,000 a year. There are people who don't even make that, you know, and people who don't have warm places to sleep and people who, and I'm not trying to like say fuck everybody who makes enough money, but I'm just saying that this is kind of the area that I do disagree that while we may have a lot of the same base human emotions, um, I don't think that that relation necessarily transcends so socioeconomic boundaries um i think that their safety and security it doesn't make the problems of millionaires go away you know but it makes the um emotional and social problems of people with less um less of a priority if that makes Ooh. sense it does it does and that's why i um and that's why I like you, Theo. <laughs> I um I think I think that's an excellent point. There's I don't have that number in front of me, but I'm sure there is a percentage of the world that would kill for 25 grand a year. Oh yeah. Or a warm yeah. place to sleep. Right. Yeah. And it's probably a much higher percentage than I want to give it credit for. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have the percentages either, but even just the percentage of the world that doesn't have access to um, like electricity, who's still their subsistent technology is fire, you know? Um, oh, man. No. <laughs> it's Stop uh, expanding my worldview. I don't like it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm feeling very strongly about some. I say we go back. I love the stories. Like, like they're so good. There's like, like there's a story of him, uh, him shooting fire out of his ears and ice out of his eyes and walking in the air on a rainbow and all sorts of amazing things. Um, it's, it's kind of fun if you like the lore, which, which I rather do. Yeah, it sounds like it would be fun. Yeah, I mean, we could talk more about resentment. I got plenty of them. <laughs> no I uh I was thinking about what you said and I mean just kind of along the same theme that you're talking about with the um what Buddhism has kind of like offered to you and you said like what's the first thing that you learned about like meditation I think was what you said earlier and um I think the first thing that was kind of introduced to me with meditation was compassion mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of what I've taken as kind of like my base for meditation since is everybody has this kind of idea that meditation is clearing your mind making it empty like or like staying focused on one idea and for me and again I mean I guess we're just going to talk about Dave Smith this whole time but he comes to mind because a lot of kind of what I carry came from like early Dave Smith stuff and for me, meditation, especially in the beginning and like even now, what I try to carry with that is this compassion for self is that my mind is not going to stay clear and open and empty. You know, um, it's about recognizing when my mind wanders and meeting that with compassion. 
you know, and then trying to come back to the breath. And I don't have like a bowl here, but, you know, Dave Smith talks about like having the bowl, right. And the mallet on top of the bowl. And you'll notice, well, I don't have your bowl, but uh, like the mallet falls off, you know, and then you just, you recognize that it falls off and you put it back. And it falls off and you recognize and you put it back. And it's not this like, God fucking damn it. Why can't I keep the mallet on the bowl? It's, oh, it fell again. Of course it fell again. You know, of course my mind has wandered again. Um, and meeting that with compassion over, uh, like for me, it's not this like super strict disciplined act even. And really, I think the definition of discipline has changed a lot for me over time. Um as a result of Buddhism, um, you know, discipline now means practice rather than this kind of like punishment-based system where I am good enough or not good enough or too much or too little or whatever. Man, I used to be, I used to be a whole lot more interested in outcomes. Yeah. That's for sure. And now I'm more interested in, um, you know, the process that produces those outcomes rather than the outcomes themselves. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, somewhere in between. I, I, I may have gotten frustrated at a point in my life and be like, I should just be a monk. Who cares? I don't want to, I really, I don't really want to deal with any of this. I, I think um, that's probably a pretty easy out, <laughs> but um, I think that there's like, the real benefit is when you spend 30 minutes a day taking care of yourself through some sort of spiritual practice. And then when you go out into the world, there's that person that cuts you off in traffic or that person who cuts in front of you at the grocery, you know, at like, like, like in line at the grocery store and you don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. You, you can meet life's, middle you know uh, you can meet life's small annoyances with equanimity mm-hmm. um or at least that's where i'm at i'm kind of uh i'm kind of immune to small annoyances now i'm just kind of too 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 uh too i don't want to say oblivious but like like i might be like i don't got time to get sad at that guy that didn't use his blinker like <laughs> you kidding me we got so much other shit to do i'm all about <laughs> like 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 i'm all about not not well if i let too many of those things pile up they like become a little heavy you know yeah. what i mean if i let too much of that pile up all of a sudden i'm thinking about something else like i'm 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 being pushed into a slightly darker place and at the end of the day i'm just bummed out like yeah. like because you know that's an arrow that's an arrow that's an arrow and now I got to pull this arrow out of me. And I'm so annoyed that I have seven arrows in me at the same time for some reason. And like, you know what I mean? It just like, like, like it's a bit of a drag. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the holding on to it is the, be, what's funny is I, after podcast last week, I was talking to somebody on the phone and I was talking about like what we had talked about in the podcast and Buddhism and uh, and then somebody did pull out in front of me and I definitely was like, fuck you guy. Uh, but then it was over and I left it and I didn't like go about the rest of my day with this idea that of like, fuck you guy, you know, and, and that's so I, fine. 
Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> aggressively okay. cut you off, <laughs> like with excitement there. Yeah. I, I just think that that's like the difference is like making the attachment to whatever the thing is, because I do think, I mean, I know that I'm going to continue to be human and I'm going to have those experiences. And rather than like, I, for me personally, I have to be really mindful of like repressing or pretending like I'm always fine when I'm not. And instead like have the emotion, have the experience when I have it. And then kind of like hold that space for it, which usually takes 30 to 90 seconds and then letting it kind of move through um, rather than either holding on to it or like deflecting it, you know, it's like, ah, I'm going to well, be mad. And that, my- <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to interrupt you to say. So I should stop doing that as much. It's okay. I think that this, we interrupt. That's like a part of our flow. So perfect. Perfect. That is um, that is an excellent example of equanimity. Mm. Uh, I have kind of a you know a little bit of a Sean version of of how I define that equanimity. If you really think about it, is kind of a difficult thing to describe because oftentimes we are talked about it in terms of perfect equanimity. Not as many talk you know not as many people talk about the small steps in between where, just as you said someone you know you're you're allowed to feel anger you're allowed to feel disappointment you're allowed to feel hurt but you're doing yourself a disservice by holding on to those experiences or emotions um especially considering um in early recovery you have a lot of those a lot of things that you know you're very sensitively like like you know you're like an exposed nerve everything go ahead uh, everything hurts i don't know why and all these people are weird <laughs> <laughs> i um there so so my definition of equanimity is that if you take take an average week of your life do i have the capacity to deal with everything i am likely to feel on an average week of sean's life and um, that's kind of the mark that I use, um, you know, because I, I don't have control over if my nervous system is going to fill me with anxiety. I don't have control over the person that cuts me off that I get temporarily annoyed at. And I don't have, um, you know, control over, you know, I, I don't always feel like I have control over the things that happen to me, but I do have control over my reaction to those things. And that's been like really important to me to remember. Um, and the only way that I can retain control over those things is through mindfulness and being aware that they're happening. The real danger is when too many of these things become unconscious and you tend to sort of just get swept away on, you know, just sort of swept down the stream, sore to speak. And um and I think that's why we practice. I think that's what mindfulness practice is. And it's why we do it. It's to create that little bit of space between the event and the reaction. Correct. Because we're also programmed to event react, you know? And I think that, the, I think that people even outside of recovery um, can relate to that, you know, like event react. Uh, and the goal is to create this little bit of space. It's like to where I can choose my reaction, you know? Um, and 
that little bit of space that's like I'm gonna have this reaction and then I'm gonna move the fuck on you know um right like hold space for this because it's real and then I'm gonna let it go um, I I like my least favorite phrase in the English language is feelings are not facts right right because uh feelings are real you know they are uh, in fact happening right they and, are and, in fact happening and yeah. and usually the people that say it I generally like I'm a little question you know like like a little bit of a question comes up inside me it's like so so how many feelings do you feel like 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 you know what I mean they're you know there's it's one of those terms that you just hear yeah. and you don't really think about it a whole lot and then when you do you're just like maybe maybe that's a you thing maybe that's right. not a you know a decision about humanity that you know or or like a uh you know a a uh insightful observation right. you know you know perhaps that's some perhaps that's something you're missing in your human experience that you might need to you know sink down into a little bit and again i mean it's been a theme like through our whole podcast this that's kind of what buddhism has offered me is this ability to kind of challenge all of these just like the rhetoric around like it's even so like feelings aren't fact where like yes the story I attach to feelings is like rarely fact but my feelings are real and they're happening and that's factually what's happening right uh, but the story that I create is maybe the part that I need to challenge but it even goes into like you know I think that you know, like resentment being the number one offender or like the dubious luxury of like normal men. It's like, <laughs> I mean, just like straight quoting now. Uh, I love that. Like, I've never heard that before. That just made my whole day. The, the, say it again. The dubious what? <laughs> you've so heard it, man. You've so heard it. It's like straight out of like the AA text. The dubious oh, okay. luxury of normal men. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, I think the way a lot of people perceive that or the way that it's presented often is that like, if you are in recovery, you are not allowed to have anger, you know, because a lot of people, again, amalgamate anger with resentment. Um, and I think that for me, the way that I interpreted and carried that um, was to shut anger off you know, or shut sadness off or shut insecurity off or jealousy off or like whatever feeling it was that was not fact, uh, shut it off so that I can just like go about my life. <clears throat> oh, I bet that was so loud. It, like a plane flying over. I bet. Oh, horrible. I'm still getting over the crud stuff. It's uh, fine. But yeah, I, I think that that's where the shift started to happen for me, you know, and one of the many, many things that changed when it came to recovery for me was uh, starting to allow my feelings to exist. And instead of being overwhelmed by them or wallowing or being completely enveloped and identifying with them, because like, I've talked about it before, like believing that I was a rage-filled person before recovery it's like I was just a person who experienced a lot of rage I don't know that I was rage filled necessarily or that it was my identity um, but starting to like allow that stuff space 
and then also allowing it to pass because it will if I hold the space for it without attaching to it. And maybe that's just like a tedious process, but I think that that's what meditation and Buddhist practice offers to me. Um, one of the things that it does is the ability to let it exist and then let it pass through. Right. I some malt coffee now. I was such a I was such a fan of um, the um, bypassing the anger. Oh yeah, yeah. So fun mm -hmm. because internalizing. Right. You're like, wait, I'm not angry. Why is there anger here? And like, like there was kind of like an identification with it that I had going on. It was really, it was really weird. And then it went away. Yeah, I was very like the Hulk was, was slash is one of my favorites uh, from like the Marvel universe. And it was because, you know, the line in one of the movies that was like, that's my secret. I'm always angry, you know, because he goes off and he becomes this like uh, completely selfless, like altruistic healer, healer person, you know, and then they're like, hey, we need the Hulk back. Like, how do you do it? And he's like, because it's always there. Um, and that's the identification. Right. So that's why I related so much was because I just identified as angry. It's like, man, I am not always angry. I'm not always experiencing anger. I am often passionate, but even then I'm not always passionate. I'm not always experiencing passion. Um, I'm just a human who base level is probably pretty standard, honestly. That's just one of the things that you're capable of experiencing. Right. Yeah. Which seems pretty, seems pretty healthy. Sure. Whatever that I, means. <laughs> that's, that's probably another one of those terms that I have a little bit of confusion about. It's just like, what is healthy? Salad? <laughs> Salad? Just... I'm joking. And then I hear things on TikTok that are like, hey, don't eat raw vegetables all the time. <laughs> like, oh, fine, man. Like, what am I supposed to do? I, I don't know. Intervenous nutrition some sort of like you just well, that's like hyper processed you know there's no right answers no it's beautiful because there's not really a way to escape it old age you know bad food kind of all all a part of the process ice storms where it's just like degrees ah. outside and so the cough hangs on forever i know the Dude. um what is it do you? It's like 50 degrees there. Well, okay. It is incredibly beautiful out today. The sun is shining. I don't know if we've introduced my tree yet. Oh, beautiful. Hi. Growing like a tree. Um, its me. name is Mr. Twigs. Mr. Twigs. But um, I need the, like regular pictures of Mr. Twigs now. I'll have to, I'll have to take, take my phone out and send you some, but uh the excuse me i did experience the ice storm in oklahoma um a couple years ago and that man that was a fucking trip man no power for 14 days the infrastructure was destroyed i'm glad uh, i'm glad it's not quite as brutal as it is 
now. I, yeah. I assume it could be that bad. I don't know. I don't live there. I have maintained power, so that's been good. But Fantastic. Didn't go outside until four o'clock this afternoon. But I was like so, so like, like, um, you know, not ready for nature. And it rarely ever inconvenienced my life, except in the end there with that ice storm. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is really a thing. Like, like it's really, it, it, it is nice to live in the city. You do avoid, I never worried about tornadoes, a gosh darn thing. Yeah. No, weather can just like shut it down here. And that'd be it. Mm. Mm. Anyway, our small interlude of talking about the weather. <laughs> I, I was so close to talking about Last of Us episode three. Oh my gosh. I, I just want to do it. Let's just do it. Who cares? I'm sure something thinking, Buddhist will come of it, right? I was thinking earlier today how like nice it is for people who podcast who like just talk about TV or movies because they're like always going to have like the framework, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. Um, I love it. I, love I mean, it's it's not too early to repurpose this entire thing to talk about just Last of Us. Uh, I I mean, but Last of Us will end, and then then what are we gonna do? Maybe we just like incorporate it while it makes sense. Yeah, like I mean, we could talk about Game of Thrones. I'm sure there's some need for compassion in that universe. I mean, I don't I don't watch Game of Thrones. That's okay. <laughs> so I had all the feels. It was a great episode. Real excited. See you coughing. It's... <laughs> I'm mute. Can you still hear it? I can. No, still... no. Okay, cool. It's perfect. Yeah, I I think that Last of Us episode three provides a lot of insight into like there is suffering into the first, you know, noble truth and um because Bill, I keep getting them mixed up, right? But Bill experienced suffering probably all of his life. It's why. I related so hard, you know, to this, like, because I grew up also kind of like a survivalist and like it, amongst prepper types, you know, and um, I can just see that was my zombie apocalypse plan, you know, was exactly what he was doing. And this just angel falls out of the sky into a hole and his entire life changes, you know, like, and he talks about it. He talks about I didn't have a purpose, you know, I never felt fear before. And I think that when we're so engulfed in our own experience, when we, when we make the attachment, when we conjure the story to go with whatever feeling we're feeling, that's when we kind of like lose sight of, for me, that's when I lose sight of so much of my humanity because Bill talks about how he didn't ever feel fear before Frank was there. And like fear is a base emotion, you know, it is right. one that we all experience and it's a part of being alive. So, so. yeah, that's, I think if I understand correctly, more of like a libertarian kind of deal. You okay. Know? You're because he still thinks that the government is Nazis. So there's, overlap but yeah he's still like this rule guy who like don't try to me lots of weapons but he is gay and 
it introduces this sweetness to that character that was just fantastic and you text me and i've had multiple other straight men text me about how this is the first time they've really like felt that kind of connection that kind of like relation that kind of like empathy toward like uh queer representation yeah because it was human like like it was so properly human it did not feel like like a token inclusion a like like it was just really well done i was just like oh my god my eyes are leaking what the fudge not to spoil anything for the people that haven't seen it but it's uh man it's a heart it's a heartbreaker it's a gut punch i um i didn't even feel that way i was not heartbroken by it i found only beauty in it um that's fascinating to me there are spoilers you know i'm just gonna say that this may be a spoiler but they grew old together and that's i mean what more can you ask for right so i don't beautiful ass life or as far as you know lives go in the in the mushroom apocalypse right um they got kind of a you know they got kind of a top tier one yeah i mean definitely definitely they were well resourced <laughs> so That's, yeah they had a fucking boutique we're not all gonna get boutiques no i'm gonna be lucky if i get a ditch <laughs> you'll be maybe maybe you will be somebody's frank and you'll just fall in the hole oh my gosh i just had to find like a really like 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 a really aggressive gun enthusiast woman that i'll just stumble into her backyard after the world ends i'll just be like oh wow hey whoopsie (laughs) oh man i'm just gonna just gonna take my shirt off and do some sit-ups how are you things going okay (laughs) the apocalypse (laughs) things go oh my god uh yeah uh i don't think that we we talked earlier about like it's not always going to be not everybody's gonna like get it not everybody's gonna like have all the context you know not everybody's in recovery who listens to this not everybody who is a buddhist you know or practices buddhism not everybody watches last of us but i do think there's something for everyone you know because there's humanity in what we do here every time um well for sure and and i mean like as far as like community is concerned that's where i found it yeah it's like you get that wall torn down one time and like you see kind of like an expression of vulnerability you see like a a like a okay to talk about you know things don't always feel good and i don't think it's my fault you like like you know you get that experience once and it kind of enables you to do it i mean to bring it back to recovery for just a second i feel that bill is an excellent like is an excellent example of not being able to do everything on your own right yeah there's there's like it's impossible you know you're always going to miss something vital without another person Right. And he did so much on his own. He was so self-sufficient, you know, he, he, he and, was. And I think that so many of us can be, you know, we can, uh, especially if we're talented, if we're skilled, if we have like niche things that like, we're just really good at, um, we can really like kind of delude ourselves into believing that we don't need anyone else. 
Um, and this, that episode of last of us really offered this, like, Oh, but what might you be missing? You know, um, the beautiful, like last 10 years or whatever of your life with a person who makes it not, you know, cause I think his life was bearable before. I don't think he was like necessarily miserable, uh, but he would have missed out on that, like that joy, you know? And I yeah. think that that's the beauty of like putting ourselves out there, taking the risk to allow ourselves to have those feelings kind of to go back to what we were saying earlier, you know, it's like we can choose to bypass all of the feelings. Um, it's, it may make for a tolerable existence, but what, what, what might we be missing if, you know, what if I needed to yell at that fucking guy in traffic the other day? Um, who am I, if I'm not a person who occasionally like he couldn't hear me, my windows were up, you know, like I'm not actually creating any harm in the world. It's me. Uh, it's this reminder of my own self-preservation of like, Hey, I don't want people to endanger my life I still want to be safe I guess that's a good thing for me to know there were many years where I did not give a fuck about being safe and I had no sense of self-preservation um certainly so maybe it's all important maybe I don't know maybe there's no how to wiki how to fix any of our emotions uh maybe it's just allowing them to exist and not tying ourselves to them i just want to say a couple of things real fast one is that you know it's not enough just to survive mm. yeah you also have to uh you also have to experience joy you also have to experience freedom and happiness and all the other things that make the survival worth it and yeah. i think that was a wonderful example of that yeah. and um you know secondly to call back to last week interdependence right you know you know i mean that that episode may as well have been called bill learns independence like like, Uh, independence interdependence bill learns the necessity of others yeah learns about the necessity of others you would have never had strawberries you know i oh my god i was like like (laughs) you know those are the two you know like as far as like least attractive you know humans that you know i am not at all attracted to those people right nick Mm -hmm. offerman not 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 my strawberry sunday you know what i mean that's not where my mind goes when i think about that but i was just like i was just like you know sipping tea and my mouth was like slightly open it's like oh oh this that's maybe one of the sweetest things i've ever seen growing strawberries like in his little laugh after he's like yeah yeah man you just made the next four hours of my life really difficult i need to go take a grounding bath or something (laughs) oh man i i really enjoy the show and i'm very excited to talk about episode four with you next week or or the week after that, here's the thing is I watched the first episode and I was like, I'm not watching Last of Us. Um, oh yeah, that's a, that first episode, yeah. first 20 I, minutes. I will spoil it. And I mean, anybody who's played the game, but like kids dying 
fucks me up, man. Immediately. Yeah. I, like, I don't think I can do it. So I didn't watch episode two. Um, so we'll see. It's about 50, 50. If I'll watch episode four, you know, because my two favorite characters are gone now. So who fucking cares? Just kidding. We'll see. <laughs> my, my two favorite characters are still in the game. So I'm mm-hmm. ready to go. I'm a big, big proponent of Joel Ellie dynamic. I think it's adorable. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Back to, back to uh, conversations about practice. Yeah. Hmm. What else? What's like a good, put a bow on the end of it, wrap it up kind of ideas. I think that, I think that what has caused, just to bring it back to resentment, what normally happens when I am resentful to to another person, place, or thing is that, well, I guess it doesn't work for places and things, but, um, you know, to to another person is that I, I rob them of their humanity. I other them immediately. Mm -hmm. They are no longer a part of the same race of people I'm. You know what I mean? They're they're a completely separate thing. Like like there's some there's something about you know not liking another person that like removes them. You know, like like a piece of of what is important about them. I I don't know if you knew. You know, the most difficult day of someone's life if you could hate them. You know what I mean? There's like there's some there's something about you know, you know, there's something in us that wants to empathize that, you know, you know, that as soon as that otherness bleeds away, which is much like what happened with episode three of The Last of Us, <laughs> the, the otherness of that experience went away for me. Yeah. And it was just two humans experiencing a little bit of joy in, in a bleak experience that was, uh, done really well that brought up all sorts of all sorts of feels for me well and I think that's what happened to Bill too is that he he had othered everyone and the moment he began to let a few people in you know uh, his life got better yeah by that token you know of like his life getting better he ultimately may allowed for Joel and Ellie's life to get better too yeah and that's the point Bill was a secret Buddhist all along I mean I did see him like take a breath and like go into prayer hands and I was like I see you Bill I see you and I feel you and thank you for your practice But I think that you're absolutely right. That's that's the the othering and the I can I have like spouted my whole life about hating people, right? Um, but it's not true. I can because of practice, because of compassion largely, and because of like forgiveness and meta practices, I have I can think of that person that is the most difficult and try to extend loving kindness to them, you know, or Correct. to them. 
Um, and that's been a direct result of Buddhist practice. Yeah. And there's anyone that I even have, like, I have the most difficult time understanding or people that I know that I've been hurt by or have hurt other people, you know, like that I may feel so much like aversion to if as soon as I, I open that door to compassion and recognize that they are acting out of human suffering um, and that they hurt like I hurt and they want peace like I want peace, it changes and it softens it for me. It does. That, I, that sorry, is just much better for me than like, how do I like ignore my anger and be of service? You know? Um, it's, well, like, 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 and everything that you just said is such a, pu- a beautiful summary of what I wanted to say at the beginning of this. So I can just cut that right off and we can just use this. So this is going to be our, it's going to be our resentment end cap. You know what I mean? That's all we needed. I um, like, like, stuff in the middle and this. Yeah. And then last of us, I think that that is, that is really it. I, nobody wakes up and is like, you know what? I can't wait to hate someone today. That's going to be a real good experience for me. I wonder if they do. I wonder if you think, I don't know. I can't speak to everyone's experience, but what if someone does, you know, they wake up and they're like, I'm just going to fucking hate everybody today. I wonder what that's like. I bet that's really hard. I bet that's a really sad place to be. I know really devoid of joy imaginary person see and now look at this we are we are expressing (laughs) compassionate towards this imaginary person who's who (laughs) you know this sort of uh rage machine you know a real one somewhere off in the world who uh thinks that his rage is all he has Mm. or it gives him power and it doesn't it makes him kind of a, a miserable small person unnecessarily um and though every single human that I've ever met I I have no problem wishing happiness for yeah I don't always feel it but as a practice that's something that I can work towards because I have to believe if I'm worthy of happiness so are they well and if they are happier they will likely suck less yeah like whatever it is that in my (laughs) mind I think makes them suck right if they're happier they'll probably do less of that that is (laughs) oh my god dude like I'm so I like 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 my hands are shaky right now that's gonna be (laughs) like if I was to name this episode it would be happy people suck less happy people suck less yeah 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 (laughs) that's very true yeah name the whole podcast happy people suck less <laughs> that that like so perfectly sums up everything like like you just again condensed exactly what i wanted to say to uh happy people suck less and um if you're in recovery um buddhism seems to be a, a more gentle way to get to that place yeah um but you know that's just like again i am i'm not a olympic gold medalist meditator i'm just like some guy that's really into it and uh, loves talking about it this and um you know sharing my perspective on it brings me so much joy like i almost don't care about the outcome because it's such a source of happiness in my life and that and that's a gift yeah yeah there's definitely a sweetness to it
Okay. If, if it offers, you know, peace to someone else, um, happy people suck less. And I think the more happy people that there are in the world, the more ease that we all get to experience. Right. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I know it's, I know it's uh, getting close to your time to be on, be on your way. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Theo. Yeah, me too. I love doing this. I'm for sure going to come back uh, to the sound lab. I think that I like this and I don't worry about anyone knocking on my door. Fantastic. That's, uh, that's perfect. So, so I suppose, um, although it is possible, you still don't like, like you still, I mean, do you still love everyone? Is that still, is that still a thing? I still love everyone. Uh, and I think that that's super appropriate to this conversation because even if I'm able to cultivate compassion, you know, for even the people who are most troublesome to me, um, and I'm able to extend love. The more I practice that, the more I say, I love y'all, you know, uh, to to my friends, to my loved ones, to complete fucking strangers, uh, the more that becomes true for me. So yeah. Oh my God, dude. You you did so much heavy lifting this episode. You really carried us. I, re I really appreciate oh, it. Yeah. I don't, think so. <laughs> don't think so. I was just like deer in headlights for a while. I was like, I, I don't know, man. Um, I'm, I'm a really, uh, from a like theological perspective, I'm a really bad Buddhist. I know so little. Um, well, that's the thing. So am I. <laughs> and part of this is getting to uh, is getting to share that process of learning. Yeah. So, who knows? I might actually read a book for next week. Ooh, read a book. Yeah, it's going to be real fun. I really just thought about, I will plug this in our last like minute or so. Uh, I really thought about the Dave Smith War on Emotions talk. Um, I believe that it's on Spotify. There's one in San Francisco and there's one from here in Oklahoma City. And uh, it. I went to that talk and that's what I always think about whenever I think about any emotions, but also specifically anger, you know. Um, yeah. I think that Dave Smith says it's a get shit done emotion, which for me means that it's not like get shit done. Like I'm going to go stomp someone's ass. It's something needs to change. You know, if I'm experiencing anger regularly, something needs to change. Um, oh man. Me or without me. That's so good. I want to start another podcast right now about that and talk for another 90 minutes because that's a great book. Let's uh, let's talk about maybe that on Sunday. It's just a couple days away. Please. Yeah. Anger, the get shit done emotion. Get shit done emotion. Yeah. I love it. And. Uh, Trademark uh, Dave Smith, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I don't, uh, I can't say I know all of you, but I at least, um, I at least wish you happiness. That's, uh, I can say that authentically. Yeah. So this has been uh, episode three of Rio and Theo Talk Recovery. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, I, I hope you stick around and watch us grow. Music today is brought to you by Nigel Moore. Thank you so much for listening.
I hope you have a blessed day.